Hello and welcome to the Healthy Hustlers Podcast. We're your happy hosts, Amy and Madeline, best friends who work hard and hustle harder. We believe to be happy and healthy in your work, you need to be happy and healthy in your life. We combine health, well-being and business with a fresh perspective to share the stories of normal people with inspiring lives. From leading entrepreneurs to athletes, models and artists, Together, we delve deep into their journey to success to find out why health and well-being is at the core of their philosophy. Whether you're looking for advice and guidance for leading your best life, an engaging, easy-to-digest pep talk, or a boost of healthy enthusiasm to fuel your health and wellness goals, the Healthy Hustlers Podcast is your go-to for kicking ass in work and play. When you ask a child what they want to be when they grow up, most will say they don't have a clue. But today's incredibly inspiring guest had a vision and she started her working career as an actress at just six years of age. Ariel appeared in several Australian theatre productions, including Joseph and the Amazing Tech, Dreamcoat, The Sound of Music, Oedipus, Annie, and she played the role of Florence in IMG's production of Oliver in both Melbourne and Singapore. Ariel's first major television role came in 2007 when she starred on hit TV series The Saddle Club and then she later played the role of Imogen Willis on Neighbours. Now fast forward to today, Ari is the ultimate fitness guru who spends her days as a Pilates instructor, PT and she leads a charge on the bikes at Melbourne's favourite spin class. Born into a family of uber successful performers, Ariel's upbringing seems like a movie script. Humble, kind, and absolutely gorgeous both inside and out, Ariel Kaplan is a total joy to be around. But Ariel definitely hasn't gone through life without her own personal struggles. Meeting us at the beautiful This Is Life Family Wellness Emporium, nestled in the heart of Elwood, we sit down with this happy soul and delve into a conversation about career changes and finding jobs that truly make your heart happy and chat openly and honestly about her earlier struggles with an eating disorder. Sit back and enjoy because this young lady has an epic story to tell. Hi Ari, welcome to the Healthy Hustlers podcast. We're so excited to have you here today. Let's kick off by hearing about your happy place. Where do you go to unwind and reconnect? Okay, so I feel like I've got two happy places and one makes sense and the other is like quite pathetic. (laughs) So I'd say my first one, which is a little more normal, is Byron Bay. So I go to Byron at the end of each year with my family. I think for the past like six years. And the second I land, I'm just like instantly relaxed. And it's just this vibe, everyone's happy, everyone's gorgeous and sun-kissed, and I just love it there. I get up, I train, I eat so much food. I think that's mainly why it's my happy place, because I just eat and eat. So that's definitely where I go when I just want to relax and feel at peace. The other one, which is quite sad, is my bedroom. I spend probably 90% of my time, if I'm not at work or if I'm not training, I'm generally in my bedroom. And I've designed it totally how I love it, which is so bare and stark. It's minimalistic. It looks like an Ikea showroom. And I love it. And pretty much every night, my boyfriend and I get into bed. We watch Netflix. We usually eat dinner in bed. And I just love it. Like, it's where I feel most at home. And it's like my little serenity. 
Oh, that is seriously so cute. And your bedroom, it sounds amazing. Let's be honest, everyone loves going to Ikea. <laughs> oh my God, it's actually my favourite pastime. It's anyone going to Ikea. I'm like, yeah, I'll come. <laughs> I don't need anything, but I'll walk out with $500 of stuff I don't need. Thank you. Oh, that's so good. And I can totally relate to Byron Bay. That's actually one of my happy places as well. I'm lucky enough to be getting married there in September. So oh, I'm shut up. No. <laughs> that's, I've said like from day one, we took my boyfriend there last year not to put any pressure on him but I was like this is the location and this is the catering van where it's gonna be he was like oh my god I'm running oh that is so good don't worry my uh, fiance got that for many years every time we went there really glad to hear it worked out for you yeah it did keep going <laughs> can you take us all the way back um to your childhood and give a little sneak peek of little Ari growing up Okay, so I actually was born in South Africa, but we immigrated to Australia when I was two, so I don't really remember much. And once we got here, my childhood was pretty normal. I went to school and, okay, so no, my childhood was definitely not normal. It was normal up until I was five. And then I used to go to dance class and singing, um, and I followed in my sister's footsteps. And then one day I was at home and mum was reading the newspaper and she saw that there was an audition for Oliver the Musical. And in passing, she was like, oh, that would be fun. Like, one day I'll take you to an audition. And I'm insane. So I was like, no, we're going to this one. I was six. So we lined up for, I think, six hours. I was number like 7,000, I don't know, some ridiculous number outside Rod Laver Arena. And we stood there all day and I sang two lines of Consider Yourself from Oliver. And mum was like, can we just go home like this is ridiculous you're not like I believe in you but you're not gonna get this and by some sheer stroke of luck I got the job so from there I started my career and I sort of worked in musicals up until I was 12 so I did like Lion King and we toured to China and I did Sound of Music and Oliver and Les Mis pretty much just lived a really fun life as a kid and then when I was 13, I went into TV. My acting agency got me a TV audition and I was lucky enough to land a role in the Saddle Club, which for me was super exciting because I grew up watching it and then this was the, you know, the new season, the new cycle. And then I started working in TV and that pretty much took me to the end of my childhood. I ended up being homeschooled or well, a distance education because I was always on set so I could never be at school. So yeah, my childhood was actually anything but normal, but I loved it. Like, people always say, do you feel like you missed out or not in the slightest? I feel like it made me weird, that's for sure, <laughs> but I loved it and I love being around people older than me and it made me grow up fast, but in a really positive way. And yeah, it was a really crazy childhood and I'm very lucky that I had two older sisters in the same industry, so I never felt lost or like I had no support and I have typical Jewish South African parents who will support me no matter what. I could be like, all right, guys, I'm becoming a stripper. And they're like, sweet, like, go for it, babe, whatever makes you happy. So I've always just had a really lucky, amazing childhood. So definitely can't complain about anything. Oh, my goodness. What an incredible journey that you've had so far. And I can't even imagine what it would have been like to actually start your career at such a young age and jump straight into it. I think it sounds fabulous. I don't think you missed out on anything at all. I'm a little bit jealous, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I got the best of both worlds. I got to stay up till like 2am because I was on stage and then I got to miss school and then it was great. No complaints. 
Being so young in the industry, did you feel much pressure or was it just like a new exciting adventure every day? To be honest, not at all as a kid. And now I look at six-year-olds and I'm like, what on earth? How did I do that? They're babies, you know? Like, in my mind, I still remember everything from that age. I was bossing everyone else around. I was like, no, you're in the wrong spot. That's not the move. So I was so on top of it as a kid. Like, I never felt pressure or anything but fun. As I got older, I think the pressure increased. Like, as it starts becoming more of a job and less of a pastime so once you know I was finishing school and then there was the pressure of oh everyone's going to uni except I need a job you know and my job doesn't come just like from going to uni and studying and then landing something so that's when it felt a bit stressful being part of this industry but actually in the industry I've been really fortunate I've always been treated really well I've never had a job which has put pressure on me in any way so I've had a really positive experience which a lot of people don't in the acting industry it can be a bit fickle and really hard on people but no I've never felt pressure except to actually land jobs which is pressure I put on myself that's fantastic I can relate in some way my journey has not been anything like yours I'm not (laughs) going to say that at all but I remember being fearless as a child and I think it probably comes down to that as well you just children are fearless I remember climbing to the tops of trees and jumping on motorbikes and with no helmet riding at 80 kilometres an hour. Whereas right now, at this age, I would never do that. It's so true. And I I watch my nephew and he jumps off the couch and I've grown up with girls, so boys are even more on the extreme. And I watch him and I was like, surely I was never like that. But I think I was. I would go on roller coasters. I was insane. And now I'm scared of everything. So (laughs) literally everything. I'm scared of walking down the street. I'm scared of death. I'm scared of heights. So I think definitely as we grow up, we're sort of conditioned and we learn all these things that scare us. But we'd be so much better off being as like we were as kids. I mean, you have to be fearful of some things, but... If we could just hold on to that sort of childish innocence and naivety, sometimes I think we'd be a lot better off. And that self-confidence too. I think the self-confidence that I had when I was a child, I was really confident. And then as I got older, obviously you you lose that somehow. I think you get conditioned, as you said. 100%. Yeah, my family joked because I used to dress myself for school, like kindergarten. I would not let anyone dress me. And I actually started school a year early because I think I drove my parents insane. They were like, please just take her. (laughs) You can deal with her. And I used to dress in tutus and ski jackets every day. That's what I wore. So tutu and a ski jacket and boots and a headband. Like winter, summer did not matter. That is all I would wear. And I loved it. I rocked it. Like going out now, to be fair, I'd probably still wear that. But probably not with the same amount of confidence. And I think it's so sad that we don't hold on to that, but it's, it seems impossible nowadays to be like that. Oh my goodness. Right now, you wear a lot of hats. You are an actress, a singer, you dance, you're a Pilates instructor and a personal trainer. Can you talk us through how you manage your career now or from the acting? You've obviously implemented so much more into your life. Talk us through that. Okay, before we start, I just want to say when you first said you wear a lot of hats, I was like... I was like, I hate wearing hats. I look really bad. Did you think I was not well researched? Yeah, I was like, um, have you been on my Instagram? Because I don't wear hats. (laughs) That's really a bond moment. Oh, goodness. Anyway, 
I do a little bit of everything now. So because I started acting at such a young age, when I wrapped up on Neighbours, um, I think I was 19. And that's, you know, a, a decent length of time. I was almost ready for a, a little mini retirement. I was quite exhausted. I moved over to LA for a couple of months and I feel like that broke my spirit slightly. It's, it's not a place I love. I didn't love the atmosphere or the vibe there. So when I came home, I sort of said to myself, give, your, tell, give yourself some time to do other things that you love. Like I've spent my whole life doing this one thing and I do love it but I'd never explored other opportunities. And while I was on Neighbours, I became really passionate about fitness. So I did my certificate in personal training and group fitness. So I had that already and I was already exercising so much and making friends at all these studios with all the owners. And eventually one day I was offered a job at an F45 that I trained at. And I was like, you know what? Instead of you know doing a waitressing job, which a lot of actors do, or or doing nothing because I could just sort of live on what I'd made. I was like, I might as well. Like, I love this job. So I started working in fitness. And then I actually moved over to London for a few months, purely for holiday. I just wanted to get away and I wanted to live on my own. I'd been through a breakup, you know, that thing of like, you either cut your hair or you just change your life completely. So I was like, I'm moving to London and it was the best thing I ever did. I had the best time I actually left my house at night, which I don't do very often. I would go see shows. I was totally on my own and I never thought I could do something like that. And it just showed me that like, I didn't have to be in this box. Like I wasn't just an actor or, you know, just the child star or just, I could do whatever I wanted. And so I came home with every expectation of moving back to London full time. Um, I came home for my sister's wedding. And while I was home, I met my current boyfriend who ruined everything. <laughs> you know, um, I pretty much fell for him straight away and he still has a few years of studying. And I thought, you know what, things happen for a reason. Obviously, I'm meant to be here right now, which I'm so glad I am because my sister then had two babies and I've been around for that. And I found a huge passion. So while I was home, I was like, I'm not ready to go back to acting so I was like, might as well look for some jobs in fitness. So from there, I became a spin instructor. Um, I'm a Pilates instructor at KX, and I personal train um, at a female studio called FoxFit. So yeah, I've ended up with these three jobs that I absolutely love, and I definitely still want to continue to act, and everyone always asks me like, if I'm going back or what happened. And for me, I feel like so many people spend their life searching for a job that they love, and I found two, and... At the moment, I'm really loving one of them, so I'm just going to embrace it while I've got it. And if an acting job comes up, of course, I'll take that opportunity. But I'm not rushing to be anywhere that I'm not right now if I'm happy, basically. I love that. And you started your acting career at the age of eight. Was it eight or six? Six. At six. Yeah, I was an infant. <laughs> you were an infant. Yeah. And so why wouldn't you want to have a bit of a break and do something new that's a credit to you to actually take yourself out of the box of being an actress yeah. and exploring other avenues? And I think I was scared for so long because that's what I was like at school, in my life. Because I'd done it for so long, I was known as like the actor. So it took a really long time for me to be like, actually, you know what, I don't have to do that. It's not who I am just because my family are in that world. It doesn't mean that I can't do something else if I love it. Yeah, and so touching on your family, obviously you come from an 
uber successful um, family of performers. Did you ever feel like the pressure was on to be in that space and to perform in that space? Not at all. I think I never felt pressure, but I always just wanted to be like my sister. So if my sister was performing or if she was at a dance competition, I used to make mum do my hair and makeup as if I was going to be performing. And I'd like go get a costume and just wear it. And then everyone was like, oh, are you performing? I was like, no, <laughs> I'm just here to look like I am. So I always wanted to be a part of everything. And I think that's super common when you have older siblings, especially if you know, you're all girls. I just wanted to be like them. But I think because I actually started working before they did, I never felt pressure in terms of working in that industry. Maybe staying in that industry, I felt like, oh, both my sisters are in it, maybe I should be in it too. But in terms of getting into it, or like a lot of people think there's jealousy or pressure being this sort of performing family, it just never existed. We're a lot more boring than everyone thinks. There's no drama. Like so many people are like, oh my God, you should do a reality show. Like the Kardashians. I was like, yeah, except we all sit on the couch and play with the dog and watch the Kardashians. <laughs> that's, that's the issue we have about a reality TV show. So no, it's a very relaxed family. There's not much pressure going on. Oh, that is so good. And I love that you um, just looked up to your sisters so much. I think that's so beautiful. I was always really jealous of not having a big sister. <laughs> so I think that that's so nice to hear that and that relationship. And I think you can definitely see that even through your social media with you girls. Like you can just see that there's so much love and support there. It's really beautiful. Even though, you know, you are all kind of on different paths and paving yeah. your own ways. It's, yeah, it's a really nice thing to see. So you have already touched on your TV roles, but I'd like to dive into these. So you're obviously best known for your role on the Saddle Club and then in more recent years, Neighbours. How did your life change during this time and what words of wisdom would you give to other people who are trying to find their big break in their career or something that they're truly, really passionate about? I think both experiences were really different, mainly because of my age. During Saddle Club, I was still at school, so... We were living out in Dalesford and I was being tutored. So in that way, my life kind of changed completely. I was no longer living at home as a 12-year-old. I was living with my best friends, which was amazing. And they're still my best friends to this day. So that experience was pretty much pure joy. There was no responsibility. Everything was done for us. We were kids. We had chaperones. We had chefs. I was living the high life. And at the time, you just don't realize how good you've got it. And I always wish that had been like a few years later. So I could have been like, oh my God, this is the best. <laughs> like if I had it now, I'd be like, oh my God, cook me everything. But I, that was such an insane and beautiful experience. I got to ride horses every day. Like it was just amazing. And Neighbours was amazing in a totally different way. I was living in Melbourne at home. I was driving myself there and back. All the responsibility was on me and it was no longer working children hours. So it went from working max, you know, six to eight hours a day to... 12 hours Monday to Friday pretty much my role was always on set so it was a lot more taxing but I absolutely loved it like there was no of course I mean I whinged every day about getting up early but everyone that's how do you get an actor to complain you give him a job that's what everyone says and it's so true but I wouldn't change it for the world it was like three of the best years of my life and I learned so much about myself and in terms of having a big break, I mean, I still feel like I'm waiting for mine, so I don't know if I can give advice on it, but patience is really important. I've been really lucky that roles have sort of landed into my lap and at the right time, but it's so much about timing and it's not always down to talent. In fact, nowadays, it, 
based on a lot of things besides talent, which is why this industry just gets harder and harder. So that's why I'm sort of anxious again to get really back into it because you have to accept that a huge amount of the time spent in this world is rejection and you have to be strong enough in yourself to go, they're not rejecting me as a human, there's nothing wrong with me, I'm just not right for this particular role. So just not giving up and actually being proactive, like don't just expect auditions to fall in your lap and like go get an agency, go take classes. Breaking into the industry is the hardest part once you're in it. It's a lot easier to then find your feet. So yeah, just be proactive because there are so many people who want the same jobs as you do. That's some great advice and I'm sure that a lot of people that are really trying to get their break and break into the industry will take something from that. So thank you very much. I hope so. They will. And so now we're going to go in a little bit of a different direction. So you've openly shared your earlier struggles with anorexia. Can you talk us through this time in your life and shed some light on how this horrible disease took control of you? Sure. So I feel like throughout my teenage years, I had short spurts of something that could have turned into an eating disorder, but sort of always fizzled out. Like, you know, I'd lose a bit of weight and I got a little bit addicted to it and I'd restrict my calories and then I'd go on a holiday and I'd forget about it, you know? So I've, I've always been really aware of my body and I think that's multiple reasons I think it's genetic I think it comes from working in my industry from having older sisters from growing up around females I just think it was something that was always inside of me but it didn't really get to a serious point until I was about 18 so I remember I went to Europe when I finished school with my best friend and we had three months of absolute joy like everyone does in Europe we ate everything under the sun I wasn't being at this point so I'm not joking I pretty much had gelato for breakfast lunch and dinner while I was in Italy we called it the gelato diet do not do it do not recommend we got so sick anyway so I was having the best time no worries and then I got home and like everyone does in Europe I put on a bit of weight and I was like you know what I'm just gonna try lose a bit of weight and it was totally healthy to start as nearly all in disordered stories are and I lost a bit of weight and I started going to the gym and I was like, oh yeah, this is kind of fun. I was doing like the hilarious body attack Les Mills classes, which are still very hard. I don't know why I did them. And then I think I got the audition for Neighbours and I ended up getting the role. And at that point I got a bit more serious. I was like, well, I'm going to be on TV and you know, everyone knows the TV ads on 10 kilos or whatever, which it doesn't, unless you have like a weird widescreen TV that stretches you out. And so I got a bit more serious about it, but it still wasn't anything anyone was worried about. Like, and then you start getting the compliments like, oh, you're looking really good because I was, I was at a healthy weight. And then it really slowly happened. It wasn't like one day I was like, oh, I'm sick. It just each day I would restrict food a little more or I got obsessed with doing the exact same amount of exercise, burning the same amount of calories, eating the same amount weighing myself more than is normal and all these little things started to happen and at the time I sort of knew it wasn't normal but I I didn't think it was serious I didn't think anything was too drastic but unfortunately it keeps going and going until the point where other people go you're not looking that good anymore you know you're starting to look a little gaunt and because my life is spent in the media and on television not only was just my family seeing it and my friends the world was seeing it and unfortunately while I was going through this my character on Neighbours totally coincidentally was going through bulimia so there was this really horrible coincidence that was going on where 
one was feeding the other and I was like, no, it's for my job, which totally wasn't my eating disorder. It was, happened way before that was even written in. But I sort of used that as an excuse until I realized that I was going to lose my job if I didn't start eating, not because they didn't want me there, but purely because I, I wasn't going to live anymore. I could barely walk. We were filming in winter and I was in singlets and I could feel my heart like stopping, you know, it's, it was really, really serious. And I, at this point I started seeing a psychologist. I think the time when I finally realized I needed help was when I broke down to my mum, and I don't think I'll ever forget that conversation. She walked in to my room and I was just sitting on my bed and I just broke down and I was like, I think I'm really sick. And she, she knew, I mean, she, they'd already been trying so hard to get me better. But both of my sisters, to an extent, had gone through similar things. As I said, I think it's very much a genetic thing in our brain. It's that imbalance and it's not just a choice. Like, I would never, in my wildest dreams, choose an eating disorder and I would never wish it upon my worst enemy. And once I admitted it to my mum, I started seeing someone and she was amazing. Not only was she a psychologist, she was also a nutritionist and she was really good with facts because I'm a... I'm like a little geek. I want to know the facts. Like if I tell me that I'm ruining my bones, tell me that I've got this long to live if I continue on this, scare me. Like I, I needed to be scared. And I wish I could pinpoint when it started to get better. It, it didn't happen straight away. I got a meal plan and I'd still cheat on that meal plan. Anorexia is a lying disorder. Like you hide everything, you lie to everyone and that's the worst part because it just changes you. And I don't remember how it started getting better, but day by day, I'd start sticking to the meal plan a little more. And over time, if I'm being honest, I think it's when I started to fall for someone and I suddenly got this new focus in my life and my obsession with being skinny or my obsession with the numbers on the scale suddenly reduced a little because I had a new thing to focus on. And slowly I just started getting better and and I started putting on weight and the physical side has to happen first so that your brain can actually function and start to mentally get better. And it's taken me years, like that was, you know, maybe four years ago now. And still on a daily basis, you know, I have those thoughts and I now know calories and everything which drives me mad, like I wish I didn't, but I've memorized them. So now food for me has gone back to being fuel and I don't, I don't stress about what I'm eating. I'm still really healthy, but post-eating sort of then I went through a binging phase. Obviously, I'd starved my body for so long. So not only had I lost all this weight, then on TV I gained what I had lost plus way more. And then you have all the fans going, oh, is she pregnant? Is she like, why is she put on so much weight? So once again, that was impossible. And I was so scared to go backwards again. So I just ate and ate and ate. But basically, that whole year of my life, because the whole thing was probably rounded up a year, is a total blur. I don't remember it, which is the scariest part, because your brain is so focused on one single thing that you don't even... Like, I don't remember going to work. I don't remember conversations I had. Once I got better, people would say to me, like, you didn't talk. Like, you just sat at your desk, and no one even heard you laugh. And I don't shut up, like I don't stop talking, I don't stop laughing. So it was just a shock for me to hear that I'd become a totally different person, but that's what eating disorders do. And so now I'm even more grateful to have found the balance that I have and 
I know I have an obsessive personality and now I watch out for it. And it's absolutely being channeled into exercise now and it's something I have to be super careful of because if I overdo that, it's just, or it's not just as bad, but it's just another way to be obsessed with something else, which is why I've got an amazing boyfriend and family who forced me to have rest days and lock me in my bedroom. But yeah, it's, it's been a huge journey and it's been years and years and I think it built up from long before I even knew. And now it's taken me to where I am now, which is given me not only a huge passion for health and fitness, but more so a passion for speaking out to young girls and guys who potentially could experience this and just showing them that there is so much more to life. Don't go down this route. So yeah, it's been a long journey, but I'm very happy I went through it so I can be where I am now. So for anyone at the moment that's in their darkest place and they're struggling themselves with an eating disorder, what advice do you think you might give them or what support would you offer them? I would say that you cannot get better until you truly want to get better. Everyone can try be there for you. Everyone can do everything for you. But until you've made that choice, and you don't make that choice once, you make it every second of every day. Because for me, and I've heard a lot of people have saying anorexia is these two voices. And it's the good side, which is sort of the real you, and then it's the anorexia side, which tells you not to eat it and tells you you're not worth it. Whereas your side is rationally saying you need to eat this to survive, you are good enough. So every time you have that choice, try to pick you rather than your eating disorder. And take it day by day. You don't need these huge goals. Don't think about gaining weight. Don't think about... Just think about day by day just getting that meal in. And think about the end goal. Look at people... Sounds ridiculous. But look at people like me. And look at thousands, millions of people who never thought they'd get through an eating disorder. And here they are today, happy, living a positive, balanced, easy life. As impossible as it might seem right now, you will get through it. Yeah, I think that's such beautiful advice because it is something that really touches so many people and like I know personally I went to school with a few girls that suffered from it and more recently I've had a really close friend yeah, who was going through it and it's just the most heartbreaking thing to watch someone you love so much I guess destroy themselves in a little bit but you know at the end of the day and a lot of people don't understand it, it is a mental illness so you know whether a lot of people do treat it as, oh, she's just trying to get skinny. And it's like if you only understood what was going through their head and what they were battling with every day and to just be that little bit kinder to people that are going through it. So I think that advice is so beautiful because I know, you know, as a support person or someone like looking on and trying to be a friend, it's, it's a really hard thing to give advice to because it's just such an unknown territory if you haven't been through it before. So... Yeah, thank you for sharing your story and I'm sure that yeah, it would help many people that are going through it now because it is definitely getting more and more in today's society. It's, it's killing me to watch it. Day by day it gets more and more common and more and more upsetting but luckily I think because of that the world is becoming conscious and aware of it and learning that it is a chemical imbalance, it's a mental disorder. No one with an eating disorder that is currently in it, not one person I can guarantee would ever say to you, I chose this, this is where I wanted to get to. So yeah, bear that in mind if you come across someone suffering or if you're close to someone struggling, just treat them with kindness and sympathy because it is the darkest, 
most horrible place to live. Well, I guess from there, how obviously you had quite a big transition from acting and then going through that and moving into more your fitness stage and your career in that now. So when, when did health and wellbeing really become your core philosophy? So I think in my head, at the beginning of my eating disorder, that was when health became important to me. And at the start, it was health. I was eating really well. And at that time, um, I wasn't vegan yet. I was, I think, a pescatarian. And I was living a really healthy lifestyle. I was exercising once a day. And then, of course, it spiraled out of control. But that's probably when my passion for it started. Of course, as I was getting better, everything had to stop. I couldn't exercise. I had to eat whatever I was told to. And I think that's when I truly discovered how much I actually loved exercise and loved eating well because it was stripped away from me. And I suddenly went, I think there were other reasons I loved this besides trying to lose weight or because my eating disorder was feeding it. And so once I was allowed to start exercising again, I started finding new ways to exercise. When I was sick, I would literally run on a treadmill for 60 minutes with like no up or down from there. It had to be on the same speed. I had to, it was exercise purely to burn calories. Whereas now I will try everything. I do a million different forms of exercise and I do it so I feel amazing. It mentally helps me physically. I'm stronger and fitter than I've ever been. And I think I had to go through that time in my life where I was doing it for all the wrong reasons to discover how good it can feel if you do it for the right reasons. So while it didn't start off in a healthy way, it led me to my passion for health and fitness. And now, I mean, it's my life. If I can spread one message, it's taking care of yourself, doing things that make you feel good, finding a routine that feels good for you. Like, everyone needs to eat in their own way. I actually heard on one of the other podcasts, one of you was studying at IIN. Yeah, so I studied at IIN while I was recovering, and it really blew my mind to go, oh, my God, no one is the same. Like, why didn't I realize that what's going to work for someone else, these Victoria's Secret model diets, why don't they work for me? Oh, I know, because I'm a five-foot-two girl who likes to eat. Do you know what I mean? And that's really when I discovered veganism and my love for animals and all of that has shaped where I am now in my health and fitness journey, which is pretty much as balanced as I've ever been. I eat to feel good. I have dessert every single night. I'm vegan for my love of animals, not because I want to restrict what I eat. I exercise because I love the feeling and because it wakes me up and makes me feel motivated and ambitious. And yet it's been a really weird journey with lots of ups and downs but I'm so glad that it happened because now I don't think I ever would have been as in love with it as I am if I hadn't experienced like the depths of how unhealthy health can be if that makes any sense that's great and how awesome is it when you actually stop focusing on what everybody else is doing and what everybody else is eating as you said the Victoria's Secret diet or paleo or whatever it is there's so many different (laughs) dietary theories out there but when you actually stop and tune into yourself and take the time to work out what really works for you, it becomes fun. You actually don't feel restricted. You eat what works for you. You exercise in a way that makes you happy. And you literally have this self-empowerment that makes you feel like you're strong and healthy and happy. And- Absolutely. It makes you feel good about yourself that you're taking care of yourself. 
in your own way. Like you're not following someone else's plan. Like stuff not eating bread. Like I'm not gluten intolerant. I'm not celiac. <laughs> I'm going to eat bread every single day. And it's like same with carbs. Like for so long I was so scared of carbs or fats or like give me that smashed avo. I like, all day, every day. You know what I mean? And that works for me. Someone else like my sister is paleo ketogenic and I'm like carbo vegan, you know? And that works for us and it makes us happy and it's better for our skin, for our energy. So it's been so fun as I've discovered what works for me to see that it is so different for everyone. And I think it's just also been, you know, to have that knowledge from doing the course, you realize not to preach what you're eating either. You just really encourage people to how, how they can find their own eating patterns and what works for them. Absolutely. Except that all my family are going to listen to this and be like, you're such a hypocrite because you tell us to go vegan every day. <laughs> Well, you know better than that. Yeah, so. I know. It's not because I want them to eat that way. It's just because I really love animals. <laughs> I'm always just like slipping in Earthlings documentary. I'm like, just in case you have some free time, here's some lovely viewing. <laughs> not so lovely. But yeah, it's, it's so true. And the only time I would ever preach anything is purely for moral reasons, not ever for health, because I think you can be absolutely healthy on whatever diet you choose. Yeah, and it's coming from a good place. Oh, totally. It's coming to save the piggies. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) So for anyone who is embarking on their own health and wellness journey, we've touched on it a little bit, but do you have any other advice or any practical tools that you would encourage them to inject into their daily lives, maybe other than, you know, finding the diet that works for them and finding exercise that they love? Yeah, I would say create a routine. I know that not everyone believes in this. A lot of people believe in fully, like, just listen to your body. For me, if I listen to my body, 99% of the time my body would say, go to sleep, stay in bed, watch Netflix. So for me, like, I write down on my whiteboard at the beginning of each week and I schedule in my workouts, like, their meetings and I schedule in seeing friends. Like, I mean, so I've got this balance where I don't just do one thing or the other, but I schedule everything in so that it's there and I know I'll get to it. But I'm a little bit obsessive, so I understand not everyone has every minute of their day planned, but if you can just set aside an hour of each day, it doesn't necessarily have to even be to exercise. It can be taking your dog to the park and going for a little walk or scheduling to see your friend and maybe doing a Pilates class together. Just make your time count. Don't use that hour to lie in bed and feel sorry for yourself because it's cold. And I think finding a routine is the most important thing to me and people always say to me how are you so motivated to train like two or three times a day it's not motivation like motivation comes maybe once in a blue moon it's not a thing it's habit and you get so used to it and you know how good you feel that suddenly your motivation is the routine you've built and knowing that if you stick to this you're going to become the best version of you for everyone around you like if I don't get my workout in or if I don't eat my delicious breakfast. I'm a bitch and I know it. So I do it for myself, but I do it for everyone else as well. And I'd also say mix up your workout routine. I don't do just one thing. Some people can, but like if I just run or I just do Pilates or I just do a 45, I get really bored. So I understand that everyone can do 50 different gyms like I do, but have different things that if you're not feeling it, like a run on that day you have another option so I think that's really great advice and I love what you said about scheduling time I know that's something Ames is really big on um and I Sarah Holloway actually touched on it in 
her interview and it is so important like making you you are just as important as those meetings and that work and that event you've got to get to so if you can't be scheduling those times and making those priorities for yourself you can't possibly be the best version of yourself 100% also Sarah I love you I have a girl crush on her I just want to do a little shout <laughs> she's such a girl boss I love you but do you know what I, but she's so right and especially someone like her who has these mean like for me I'm busy but like I have time in the day this is more so for people who work that nine to five and I see them get up at 6am for their Pilates classes and at the beginning they come in they're like why do I do this and by the end of the class they walk out and they're like thank you you've made my day I can go to work and I've accomplished something and I feel good about myself and yet it sucks when you get up and getting to the gym and putting your clothes on, but there is never, ever a time when you finish a workout and you go, well, I wish I hadn't done that. Yeah, totally agree. And it is really just creating those healthy habits. Like as soon as, like I know for me at the moment, I'm working with a few different clients and like I'm loving my work so much. And it's probably the first time in a really long time that I'm just like, so passionate to get up every day and work I'm like and weekends are just not even a thing for me at the moment because I just want to work but at the same time I need to be really mindful because it can snowball really quickly and we went away on the weekend to Byron and I literally only had a day offline and then you know you get back on Monday and it's almost like oh no I've got so much work to get back to and it all feels too much and I'm like I need to just start I'm not putting me first at the moment like I'm preaching all this stuff to these people totally. on this podcast but you know, just letting it slip for that week or two, it just keeps slipping and it keeps not being a priority. So I think you fall into that routine. It's a routine of the opposite of really what we should be doing. I always think about what my mum and dad say, and it's at the end of your life, it's a bit gruesome, but on your deathbed, are you going to look back and go, well, I'm so glad I got to all those emails and I'm so glad that, you know, I lay in bed that morning, or are you going to look back and be like, how good were those memories? How good was it that I was healthy and I took care of myself and I saw my friends? Like all of those things that at the time seemed like such a pain lead to the best times that you're actually going to be happy you did, you know? Yes, so true. I love that because um, similar but kind of different. <laughs> my best friend would always say that when we're traveling in Europe, she really wanted to go to Ibiza and we had no money. <laughs> nah, <laughs> thanks. She would literally <laughs> say to me, Babe, you are not going to look back at 30 and think, I'm so glad I didn't spend that $1,500 on going to Ibiza. You are going to look back and be like, hell yeah, girl. <laughs> Do I Except I would be so happy if I did not spend that money and never go to Ibiza. <laughs> but I totally get where she's coming like from. Yeah. Yeah. It's going with the meaning. Very it's, similar. It's funny that when you can, you can actually put that into so many things and I do a lot of the time I think back and think am I going to regret doing that or am I going to love that I did that thing that I get you (laughs) I totally get you pretty much just do whatever the hell you want and stuff everyone else is what I'm saying (laughs) what I my learnings I guess in the last couple of weeks because what happens to me often is I might go away for the weekend and I'll come home on a Sunday and I'm too tired to go and do my weekly grocery shop or I haven't scheduled my Pilates and my classes for the week and I miss out on my 6am spot. So I think it's just putting a little reminder in your calendar as well, maybe on a Wednesday, to pause and think about the following week and, and what this week 
you know, involves for you so that if you're going away for the weekend, you can put in a Coles online order or something like that on a Friday so that you can come home and you're still prepared. I think being prepared is a huge so one. So important. Everyone laughs at me because I have, I'm just like a list maker and I've got a list in my phone of like Monday, 9am, blah, 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 10am. And I cross them off as like, well, I delete them as they happen. And like, I put the most minute things in there just so I can cross them off. So I can be like, yes. I nailed it. You know what I mean? And you feel good about yourself for putting that in there and getting it done and accomplishing something. And it, yeah, it can be the most like ridiculous little thing, like go to the toilet at 10 o'clock. You did it, you know? But it really does make a difference to your overall feelings of like self-love. And it sounds so silly, but for me, someone who's really strict and scheduled and I get quite severe anxiety if, if things don't go my way, it's a really good of... It's a really good way for me to schedule things and plan things. And then if they don't go exactly to plan, I go, well, that's all right. Tomorrow's planned out and I'll get back on track then. You know what I mean? So it's like a little bit task mastery, but not too much. (laughs) I really like that. And I like what you say about tomorrow's another day as well. And I think that also goes with eating and, you know, not having a productive day as well, because... It's so easy to fall off the bandwagon and think, oh, I ate a donut today or I, you know, ate half a block of chocolate, so my diet's gone to waste and I'm not eating healthy anymore. Instead of just not beating yourself up about that and be like, you know what, I actually really felt like that and I really enjoyed the time. So tomorrow I'll just make sure I have more spinach in my salad or I'll have a green juice in the morning and you're straight back on track. And I did that yesterday. Like I find it really hard to take rest days, but yesterday I was feeling sick and I had PMS and I was just like, you know what, nah. So I lay in bed until I had work in the afternoon and I ate a little bit. I mean, for me, unhealthy is, you know, dark chocolate in my porridge and you know like it wasn't really that bad some hot chips here and there and this morning I woke up and I was like oh my god I don't want to exercise I've lost all my fitness in one day I'm just gonna eat chocolate for breakfast and then I was like oh my goodness what am I on about so I got up I went to my class and you're right back it's that easy getting back is the hardest part I always say to people force yourself get a friend to pick you up go to a healthy breakfast or go to that spin class, get it done and afterwards you'll forget all about your crappy day, you know? That's some really great advice. So now we're going to move on to our favourite little questions where we always find, maybe you don't always say this, but we find we get a lot of gold out of these questions. No pressure. No pressure. So think about your answers quick. quick. (laughs) What would you say is your number one health tip? Create a routine. Are they like short fire? It, they can be short, they can be long, or just whatever. I like short fire. Go, go, go. What's your favorite color? <laughs> what is the one thing we can all do to bring more balance to our life so that the hustle can be healthy? Set aside time for things that make you happy. Every week, I have a bath. And I know a lot of people meditate or do things like that. And if that works for you, that's amazing. I personally find my favorite thing is I get in my bath. I put Netflix on or I put my favorite singer, Ben Abraham, on my phone and I lie there with my candles and my way too much bubble bath and I lock the doors and I can't hear my nephew whinging and my boyfriend is on aeroplane mode. It's just me time and I think that's really important. Even if it's literally 10 minutes, it's just time where you go, nothing else matters and exercise is that for me as well. It's like my therapy. So for a lot of people, if you're like me, go to a class that's not as hectic maybe go to like a reformer pilates or 
if you like yoga, go do a yoga class and just take that time for you so that you're able to then get your hustle on without feeling like you've got nothing left in the tank. Yeah, that's so good. And it's funny when you have that me time, you really allow your body to almost catch up in your mind. And it's, I know for me, I've always loved walking and I went through a phase where I was really trying to walk for exercise. So I'd have music pumping and I'd be walking so fast and I'm like, I'd get home and I'm like, I didn't really enjoy that that much because it's, that wasn't me time. That was still me trying to achieve something from that walk, whether now I just go with no music and at my own pace and look at the trees and I'm just totally in my own zone. Oh and my God, I wish so, I liked walking. Oh. I'm so lazy with walking. I'll get like an Uber two kilometers away because I'm like, I cannot. I'll run 10 kilometers, but do not make me walk down the street. I can't do it. Oh my goodness, you sound like my fiance. He won't walk anywhere. I'm like, babe, it's just around the corner. It's totally it's fine. always one or the other. Like my boyfriend's like, well, just walk. I'm like, no, we will not. I'm in runners. I cannot walk in runners <laughs> oh, that's so good. Um, now what advice would you give to your younger self oh that's a good question oh so much stop wearing tutus no. <laughs> oh I think my favorite quote which I think falls really well into this is comparison is the thief of joy and that's something that one of my friends told me a couple of years ago and every time I'm asked to like think of a serious question or like a quote or look back on what would I tell myself that's the first thing that springs to mind because at school I really wanted to be cool and popular and now I look back and it's laughable because you've never met anyone that cares less about that stuff like if I can avoid human contact at any cost I'll take it like if I can be with my puppy in my bed I'm happy so in that way comparison like stop trying to be like everyone else or as look like everyone else and then my job I was always so different and I was so scared of being weird or that people only liked me because of what I did and as I got older then comparing my body to others and comparing what I was like as an actress because I wasn't a stick thin supermodel it's just constantly a thing throughout my life other people compared me to my sisters it's always been around me, so I'd say, even still, I always remind myself, like, what are you comparing? What That everyone is so different, and I'm sure so many people would look at me and be like, oh, I wish I had her life, and I would look at them and be like, I wish I had your life. So it's just a waste of our time. Just enjoy the life you've got. We are all so lucky. If you live in Melbourne or in, you know, a first world country, you have the ability to exercise and have access to food that you want, like... You're winning at life already. So, you know, that's about as much as you need to worry about. And there's the gold. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) Yay, I made it. (laughs) So finally, Ari, for all the foodies out there, Mm. what does a day on your plate look like? I love food questions. All right. So I actually don't eat till quite late in the day because I'm one of those people, if I eat and I exercise, it's like vom city. So I usually get all my training done pretty early, um, unless I'm working and then I'll eat after work, generally at about 12. And I'll either have toast with avo, and I have these veggie patties I get. They're from the brand, I'm not sponsored, I really wish I was, contact me. Um, It's called Bite Me Fine Foods. And they're, uh, I really shouldn't tell everyone because now they're gonna sell out. They're just the most delicious things in the world. So I put those on top with some nutritional yeast and some balsamic vinaigrette like my go-to or if it's like cold and I want something sweet I love oats so I'll just make like oats in the microwave with 
peanut butter, almond butter, blueberries, banana, goji berries, all that stuff. Um, and then generally I'll get hungry again at about three o'clock and I'll have either a protein bar or some bliss balls or a protein shake. I generally want something sweet then. And then I'm pretty much, I think what everyone says to do the opposite of, like you're supposed to eat heaps in the morning and like nothing at night. Nah, stuff that. I eat enough for four grown men at dinner time. I love dinner. So I generally have just all my veggie intake then. So literally every vegetable under the sun, either roasted or um, in a stir fry and always with some sort of carb, usually sweet potato. And then I love teriyaki tofu or tempeh or edamame, any sort of protein. There's always like a big salad or stir fry or roast veggies. And every night I have dessert and it's always different because that's where my life revolves around. Um, so maybe like I make a vegan mug cake or some dark chocolate on banana with peanut butter. Pretty much I eat anything that's vegan and it's a carb, I'll take it. <laughs> that's my donor plate, vegan carbs, thank you. But yeah, I eat heaps at night time and like my whole life I was told like don't eat too much at night before you go to bed. And I was like, oh okay, and as I get older I'm like, your body doesn't know. It's not sure what time it is. You can eat whatever the hell you want whenever you want. So that's my day. I think my stomach actually just started grumbling. Oh my god, now. I'm really so hungry right now. <laughs> Ari, thank you so much for coming here to speak to us today. You said when you were walking in, you weren't sure that if you were interesting enough to be on our podcast, but oh my goodness, we've had such a great time talking to you and you have such an interesting life and a, and a career so far. I, can't, I still can't believe that your career started at just the age of six years old. <laughs> that is incredible. And even though you've been through you know, some struggles in your life, I think that's really where people get stronger and they go on to live incredible futures so thank you so much thank you so much for having me and can everyone please leave a review saying i'm the most interesting person <laughs> no i really appreciate it and i'm so glad that i got to speak to you guys about issues that and positive things that i'm so passionate about so thank you for having me you're amazing Ari. Thank you. <laughs> we'd love to hear your feedback and the guests that you would like to hear from so please feel free to send us a direct message via our Instagram page at The Healthy Hustlers. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure you leave us a five-star review and subscribe so you can keep up to date with our new episodes each week. For a dose of weekly happy, healthy news, you can subscribe to our newsletter via our website at thehealthyhustlers.com. Until next week, make sure that you're investing in yourself to keep the hustle healthy.